0: Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Hello and welcome to one of our wine and cheese segments. Before I introduce my guest, I would like to thank Lillian Caldwell, the CEO of Passionate World Talk Radio Network, and Jeannie White, station manager, that does the blogs and posts our shows. Thank you both for allowing us to do this. I would like to introduce Um, Deb Folster, and she is the founder of Dignity Together and the director of marketing and fundraising for the National Workplace Bullion Coalition. Hello, Deborah, and welcome to the Wine and Cheese segment. Thank you. Well, you are unbelievable. I've read a lot of your stuff on the Facebook, and um, I'd really like to ask you to talk about how did you get started in all this?
1: Sure. Um, So I was bullied back in 2007. I worked for a a big university, and there was an assistant dean who was really bullying a bunch of people. Um, I was, you know, kind of – there was a lot to risk with my career at the time, or at at any time, really, but um, I spoke up because – she you know i really was blown away by the unfairness of it she tried starting by uh removing responsibilities from me and handing them over to a graduate student on a project that i essentially took the job for something i really loved working on um with no you know no reprimands there wasn't there wasn't any sitting me down and saying this is why we're moving this project to this person it was it was just it was being done, um, sort of framed as a favor, actually. And then she had formed this committee to oversee this project and told me that it was um, just going to be advisory, um, not making any decisions. And then it turned out the opposite. I had actually reported this person to HR and the head dean of the school, and they just, you know, blew it under the, the rug, even though other people had also reported her behavior because she you know she was gossiping about people sabotaging people um, and then she retaliated against me and gave me a, a written warning for just swapping out a news story on the website, and there, there had never before that been any sort of approval process put in place, or it had never been an issue that, that you know I was doing my job normally. Um, at that point, I, I didn't know what workplace bullying was. I didn't know the term. I, I really felt isolated. Um, luckily, I had a friend at work who was going through similar a similar situation with this um, higher-up. And so we had each other, but, um, you know, other, otherwise it was really isolating. There were sleepless nights. There was a lot of stress. I, I brought the stress home with me. And um, then I found the term workplace bullying and workplace abuse and um, linked up with a professor who had um, – drafted some legislation to hold employers accountable for abuse at work and kind of the rest is history that was about 12 years ago or a little bit more and um I've you know been using my marketing and design background to really bring awareness to this issue and we've seen a lot over the last decade of the issue being more and more in the news but, you know I wouldn't say it's quite a household term yet but um I think a lot more people are aware that it's a thing and that it's a problem. It's it's an epidemic and that, um, you know, it's, it's not the fault of the targets.
0: Well, how, how do you think now you've done a lot of work on this uh, and I've seen this in, in what you've written. How does somebody all of a sudden recognize that they're being bullied? I, I, I was in a position that um, I watched uh, Boss do things um, that I thought was really very strange. She would follow some of the workers and then she would reprimand them and then for nothing. And Mm. two of us went to HR and nothing was done. And we told them the whole story. And it it was like it's a closed book. So how would you recommend somebody to to look at what's happening to them and recognize that they're being bullied? Um, it can be
1: kind of hard to see it at first because hmm. some, uh, it's often subtle. It can often be a pattern. I mean, sometimes it's extreme and egregious, like a violent episode or, you know, a, an, a, an angry outburst kind of thing. Um you know, or, or repeated angry outbursts, I should say, because this is different from just like a bad day at the at the office. But basically, it's a pattern of abuse of power. It's generally around verbal abuse, sabotage, or just some kind of intimidating, threatening behavior. Um, I can actually give some examples. It, it's basically. Um, it's basically taking advantage of that power. It's, we see it a lot with a boss over a subordinate, although it can be, you know, coworker to coworker bullying. Um, but the point is to isolate the target and put them down, usually to help the the perpetrator feel better about themselves. They they generally see the target as a threat, and the target is usually a high-performing, highly ethical um, individual. So I can give you some examples about how this. Plays out. Um, I, I like to say that if there is a general feeling of disempowerment and, and feeling devalued, disrespected, um, then it's pretty likely that there is a bullying situation going on because, a, you know, or just thinking about what a great or even a good boss would do. They would support you, they would treat you like a human being. So, um, you know, we say with the work that I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to list some more relationship behaviors first mm-hmm. um, where okay, we see like public fun. ridicule, disrespect, overwork, over control. So it's things like teasing, sar- sarcasm, meme calling, put downs, um, getting in someone's personal space, sending nasty emails, angry outbursts, um, persistent abusive phone calls, emails, postings, that sort of thing, excessive criticism, um, just really harsh harsh criticism or harsh reminders of errors and mistakes, um, hints that somebody should quit even if there's no just cause. Um, Like I mentioned in my situation, there was a lot of gossip, rumors. There could be offensive jokes, making up accusations, um, unfair denial of personal leave or job training that other people might be getting. Um, And then there's the physical aspect of it, which is more obvious, like the pushing, shoving, throwing things. Um, And then there can also be the organizational piece of it. So using policies to diminish people. Um, Those can be sometimes a little less obvious, more, more subtle, but just as destructive. So things like Um, impossible deadlines, unreasonable workloads, micromanagement, just excessive control over somebody else, um, removal of responsibilities, maybe um, not demoting somebody but replacing their major responsibilities with more trivial work, um, undermining someone's reputation, giving them unrealistic work demands, um, removing tasks without any explanation, giving inconsistent instructions, Um, changing hours or schedules just to make things difficult for people. There could be um, withholding of information, blowing off of their accomplishments, exclusion, um, pressuring them not to take things like benefits that they're entitled to. Maybe it's taking credit for their work or just um, engaging in office politics or going through their things. Um, And then a big one, the last one I'll mention, is bogus performance reviews. I see this a lot when – you know you'll have a high performing um, employee for for years getting these glowing reviews, and then all of a sudden a new manager comes in and they decide they want to clean house and they start giving people negative performing performance reviews to start pushing them out. So um, that's kind of a general list of of the um, tactics that are used. Um, and then I should also mention that it can also affect bystanders. and just just witnessing um, any of these behaviors can be damaging.
0: Yes, they can be. I mean, as I said earlier, what had happened, the two of us had gone to HR, but there was others that saw it, and we truly didn't know what to do. And would you recommend, I mean, when you first experienced something, now that was, we watched our manager do this to a couple of other people. She wasn't ready for us yet, and for whatever reason. But how how could you stop somebody kind of like right away, or or can you? I mean, you um, if all of a sudden you become you know you're you're a good performer and then all of a sudden a new manager comes in, and then this stops. They're bullying you or they're taking away some responsibility or just trying to make you out like you're not a good employee and you mm-hmm. haven't changed.
1: Yeah. Um, so there are different things that, that you can do or that you can try. I mean, I'm going to start off by saying that in any um, employment situation where there's a hierarchy, which is most employment situations, um, there's such an asymmetry of power that – and there's also at-will employment, which means that we are at the will of our employers. Um, The only state that has banned at-will employment is Montana. So every state is an at-will state. Um, And you can be fired or pushed out for any reason or, or non, none at all accept discrimination. Um, and even that is a whole other issue because it can absolutely be a, discrimi- a discriminatory issue. In fact, we see that a lot with workplace bullying, um, but it, uh, people who've been targeted with discriminatory intent have to prove that there was discriminatory intent. So um, bullies will often groom people Early on, they'll try to test them to see if they are an easy target. So um, learning assertiveness and just, you know, respectfully asserting your needs while respecting the other person's needs is one thing um, yeah. that people can do. Also assert boundaries. Um, and just in, in a moment, you know, if something feels toxic, but, you you know, you can't put a, a firm um, – you know, I would, I would like you to not talk to me like that or, or something like that, um, you, can, you can express confusion and ask the person to clarify. Um, that's, that's one thing that you can do. Um, the, the traditional things that people think that might work and that I actually tried, like I explained in my situation, of going to HR, um, going to some, some type of higher up that you believe will... Address the situation because it's a toxic situation that's hurting the organization. um those those avenues don't often work because the the culture itself, the work culture is is toxic and there's no accountability. So this actually um, often really kind of adds as adds fuel to the fire for targets because they're already feeling betrayed. And you know, depressed, or whatever emotions that they're going through by being bullied, and then you know there's this second and third layer of trauma by going to either their employer or you know a lawyer, the government essentially, and thinking that they will do something about it in in most cases they don't because there's no law against workplace bullying um one of the most effective things that people can do, but it's also tr- really tricky is collective action, so So finding other people who may be dealing with the, the same or uh, similar abuse at work. And, you know, it's, it's easier for um, a group of people to have some kind of pull than one person where HR will generally, or a manager will just generally vilify that person just to get them to go away and, and to avoid the liability. So, um, yeah, there are those kind of personal things that you can do with, with assertiveness and boundaries, they, they're, they're not always going to work, especially if the bullying has gone on for a while. Um, you know, that the bully can retaliate, basically. But um, early on, if it's especially if you've gone through a bullying situation and then you're sort of seeing signs in a new situation that there's bullying, that's, you know, doing it early on can signal to the bully that I'm not weak or I'm going to stand up to this. Um, and then the collective piece is, you know, a way where the organization can't individualize it.
0: That So basically, you're being bullied, and you need to stand up for yourself.
1: And standing up
0: for yourself within the, the ground rules. You know, you're not becoming a bully to them. You're telling them right off that you're a strong person. You don't want them to cross the line with, with them. You keep their own boundaries, stuff like that. Yeah, yep. And you think that would work better because I know what it was like when we went to human resources. <clears throat> Nothing was done. And right. nobody seemed to to do anything. And, and, why, and why would somebody, and, and I understand because it's a supervisor or whoever, they want the power, and they would have been given a lot of power if if they weren't such a down bully, because it, it would be more of a group effort of working on one project or whatever and getting it done. And she, I mean, maybe it's my age, but uh, I don't need any credit, you know, but I but I understand, you know, you take the, the credit that's due to you, mm-hmm. and uh, am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I
1: mean, a lot of um, a lot of times when people report to HR, like I said, it just gets swept under the rug. The organizations don't typically um, either they don't understand the the negative effects it has on their organization, which is usually absenteeism, turnover costs, higher healthcare costs, um, presenteeism, which is basically people showing up to work and not really. Putting much effort in, um, and then there's of course legal costs. So there's there's, and then the productivity and morale costs. So there's some big costs to organizations that, even if even if a higher up does understand that there's a cost with bullying, they generally take this attitude of, well, I don't support bullying or I, I don't think it's a good thing, but it just doesn't happen here. So, even with discrimination law um you know they'll they'll have trainings of what the law is but once somebody goes to even report discrimination which is illegal to to reports that to HR HR will often just look for a way to minimize their situation to vilify the individual to see what what the merits of their claim are, see see what kind of legal case they would have, um, and then they just want the issue to go away. So if that means pushing the person out, retaliating against them, um, because they know that they hold the power and they don't want pe- – they they want workers who will be obedient and, you know, do as they say, especially in, in toxic cultures that are more power-oriented, um, than conscience oriented, where we're, we're, you know, we see that, we see it especially in industries like um, education, in healthcare, where people want to um, have their students or their patients cared for and they want to do great by other people in the organization. Um, and then you have this, so you have the, these two clashing mindsets of power centered with the higher ups and then the conscience centered with the, the employees, you know, we're seeing it with like nurses on the front lines and what they're having to fight for. Um, and it just creates this, this clash where, um, and I hate to put it that way because it's, you know, I, I know what side of the clash I am on. It's not, and it's not an, e- uh, an equal clash um, because there's such a, an asymmetry of power, but um, you know, there, there's just not the same mentality towards work and the people who are actually wanting to further their organization are usually the ones who get punished for it. Well, I was
0: just going to have, have a question for you when you'll mention the healthcare workers and mm-hmm. do you, do you think that the healthcare professionals and the public could be called being abused because of the lack of PPE that, and that's personal protective equipment. Um, There's no routine testing, and most hospitals, your nurses and your health care workers are not tested regularly, like once a week or twice a week or even once a month. So when you go as a patient, you don't know if the the nurse or CNA or, or whoever is first taking care of you, your respiratory therapist, your pulmonary person, you don't know if they're asymptomatic for COVID because they mm-hmm. aren't being tested and the lack of staff then mm-hmm. they add security now is being hands off and there's some some areas that the violence can continue even when security shows up because it's still hands off and if the if the patient or the patient
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Family member or the patient's friend isn't threatened by security surrounded by him. The violence continues. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you call that abuse of the whole, the whole system like you were just talking?
1: I would absolutely call all of that abuse. Definitely organizational abuse um you know when you talk about the short staff a- aspect of, of you know what we're seeing especially amid covid but even before that um you know some of these CEOs are getting paid millions of dollars a year and then they're you know to to use short staffing as as or or funding I'm not sure what excuses they're giving for it but they can absolutely afford to hire more people um, to not have not not leave themselves short staffed so um it's it's really about them trying to pinch pennies and stuff their own pockets with more money at the expense of you know the people who are doing the work um and that to me is absolutely abu- abusive I mean people should have a right to go into work and feel safe, psychologically safe and physically safe. Um, and if they're putting, if they're overloading them and purposely overloading them while they're, you know, the the administrators are, um, call it like keeping pocketing the savings from that, then um, they're not really caring about their employees as human beings. And I would use that kind of as the the measuring stick for what's abuse or not. If it's a a toxic, you know, if it's it's something that doesn't um, hold the the person in kind of some kind of regard and give them dignity, then um, I would say that, it, that, it's, a, that it's an abusive uh, behavior. And, you know, same with the lack of PPE. I, I was reading an article, you know, different situations of people in healthcare where, you know, one was reprimanded for wearing her own N95 mask and not sharing it, you know, not having enough for others when, again, I don't think that, with the with the salaries we're seeing on the executive levels, that this is a um, situation where they can't afford protective equipment for their workers. Um, there were, you know, some some places in general, not just in hospitals, but aren't aren't making exceptions for people who are immunocompromised and you know can't be put in harm's way. Um, you know, there there was a situation where an infect infectious disease specialist wasn't included in decision-making about PPE. Um, Another situation where they had masks, they had, you know, masks that they, like, in storage somewhere and administrators just took it out of inventory. Um, Another situation where um, a a nurse, I believe, was kind of told that this was going to be a big thing um but the the hospital did absolutely nothing to prepare for it um and and then in another situation um people were given bonuses for staying on budget amid covid so there's really in all of those situations and then you you, you mentioned the testing and the assaulting um, you know where they're not regularly testing they're putting not just the employees at risk but they're also putting their patients at risk which is what's right. treatment To employees in a hospital setting or in in a healthcare setting in general, does it puts the the patient? You know, it it harms patient care. And then the you know assaults with um, if if they're not going to step in, you know, or or if they blame the person who has been assaulted, um, which is a form of of gaslighting. I mean, there's I've heard of situations where where excuse me, can blame for that?
0: Sure, Deborah. You you mentioned uh, gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Is that what you just said? Yep. Can you explain that for people that don't understand that term? That's an old term, sure. if I'm correct. Um, yeah, it's
1: basically a, a mechanism by which a perpetrator convinces the the tar- their target that they're to blame, so or that they're crazy. So another term is crazy making, um, that that they're seeing things that aren't there or that they're making things up when in fact, you know the, the the target knows their truth. So it's a it's a huge tactic used with bullying where someone will speak up about what's been happening to them and you know, it will be dismissed or minimized or they'll be blamed and convinced that they're the problem. And a lot of targets go through this initial phase where they internalize what, what they're going through and, and you know, try to do better and better because they think that they are the problem. When in fact, the bully is usually threatened by the competence of the target and their um, their... Them behaving more competently is actually threatening the bully even more. So, um, yeah, it's it's such a huge tactic that is used with bullying um, to to kind of deflect blame and, and to to not not take
0: responsibility for being a, a poor manager. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. that. And I've we had one of my coworkers say that. His, um, he had run into difficulty with all that gas, gaslighting. Am I saying that right? Gaslighting? Yeah. Yep. And, um, and that was the first time I had heard that, and that was probably 10 years ago, and I'm thinking, wow, what a technique to cause for people. But to get back to the healthcare workers, and we don't have much time, time goes by fast when we're doing this. Yeah. The healthcare professionals, not only don't get their um, testing regularly in most hospitals, nursing homes are doing a fabulous job. Now, they were only given one N95, and usually you need to be um, tested for to make sure that you can't smell anything while you're wearing the N95. One girl had her N95, and I'm only saying one girl because I know this person told me. She had that. She started in February and never got another N95 mask until this year. Wow. Can you imagine wearing an N95? I mean, all you have to do is sneeze in your mask. And yeah. the masks now, you have one mask for a day. And, and that's terrible. There is yeah. so much that's going on. And then the masks, they were chemicalized so that they could save money on them. And so one of the things that we talk about on um, the wine and cheese programs with the nurses is a possible lung infections. Wow. You know, you're not supposed to be wearing these masks. They're only made for one-time use. Mm -hmm. And then you, you pour chemicals on them. And then you, yeah, the- they were supposed to put them in Tupperware, Tupperware containers and they were supposed, then they had to put them in brown bags just to dry them out and you can wear them the next day. They had to wear them for a month at one point. Oh my God. One mask. The, yeah. it, it, and then the, having the lack of staff, if you had a relative in there and they were in a, an ICU, you don't have enough help. To move that patient, to put them on their belly, which they call pronin, so that they can breathe better, because it takes at least, well, the beef, if they weighed like eighty pounds, maybe two people. But after that, it would be four or six people to put them over. They have they intubated. They, you know, it, it's there's no staff. Now I hear that. There's a hospital that's possibly going out on strike. It was an 86% strike. And now uh, if they don't give them extra staff, then the nurses will all walk out on them. Wow. And this is just happening. Now there's another hospital that might be doing the same thing because there's no reason not to have staff. They're forcing them because of the... The, stem, the numbers that these nurses are given—you can't take care yeah. of all these patients. It's awful what's happening with the, you
1: know, not just in healthcare, but it, it's sort of—it's so extreme in healthcare the profit over people mentality. Um, yes. It's, when it's passed on to the patients and, and their care, then yeah, you can see how how
0: toxic it is for for these abusive um tactics to be now,
1: to be used.
0: Deb, can you before our time is almost running to the end, before before I sign Sheila, off Sheila? Yes? You can continue. Yes. You, you know? Just continue. Okay. Um can you tell people how they can get in touch with you and also you have two programs, correct? Yes. That people can go? Please talk about that. Yeah. So as I was working on
1: um, marketing the legislation for the past decade, I noticed a lot of people asking similar questions um, with how they were, like, what to do in their situation, basically. A lot of people were asking for legal help um, and you know, mental health help, but also just navigating what they were going through. You know, is is it going to be useful to go to HR? Um, is it what's going to happen when I go to a higher up? Or you know, just just really wanting to understand the nuances of how this works. And so I have a an online course through my my work called at DignityTogether.org that addresses the navigating what what someone's going through, and it actually um, opens with sort of all of the forces. That we've some of the that we've talked about um, that are working against us, that are putting us in toxic situations in the first place, and um, and the fact that we're internalizing it, even though it's it's really the responsibility of all of these forces, like our culture in general, the our to- our toxic work cultures, and um, you know just the bully mindset, really. And then there's another course for people who are out of a toxic situation but they're really struggling with healing or they don't know what to expect or they might be beating themselves up for um, ruminating about what they're going through and they're, they can't get out of that phase, um, different things like that, really helping people feel seen and heard and understood and um, less isolated in what they're going through and really understanding kind of what to expect throughout the healing process. Um, and just different ways of looking at it that can help them heal. Um, so th- that's those are those two things through DignityTogether.org, like I mentioned. And then um, I started working on this new bill, which is one of the strongest pieces of legislation I've seen on this issue called the Dignity at Work Act that we're trying to introduce in all 50 states. We have um, a handful of states hoping to introduce it this year. But basically um, it would give – somebody who's been targeted at work some legal recourse and and hold employers accountable for uh, abusing employees. And, you know, the goal is to make the target whole again and also um, really, in my opinion, strengthen discrimination law. So because a lot of um, people who get targeted are women or black workers or Latinx workers or just um, people who aren't in power, which is still, according to the data, um, the the power the power positions in the u s workforce are predominantly still occupied by white men um so if you are anything other than a white man, you are more likely to be bullied at work so discrimination law because of its requirement of intent and because you know employers often vilify the person who's um, making a complaint about discrimination um, there people who who are feeling discriminated against usually don't have much um, much, they don't feel whole again, even if they sue. and even, Sometimes even if they win, they still feel re-traumatized by the legal process and that won't necessarily Correct. change, but there there needs to be stronger laws. And, and just like we saw with sexual harassment, the goal is really preventative. We want to move the needle on making work cultures safer um, people will, you know, it'll still be uh, difficult to sue. It'll still be re-traumatizing to sue. But we want to see, um, we want to see workplaces be safer for employees, even if the problem can't go away completely. So um, it's the Dignity at Work Act. Like I said, we're trying to um, introduce it in every single state. The URL for that is dignityatworkact.org, um, and we have a great team of people working on trying to push that legislation. Push. Um, you know, figure out ways to work together across states on, you know, th- trying to figure out what's what works and what doesn't work and trying to, you know, whether that's messaging or marketing tactics or whatever that is, just a really collaborative, great group that we're working with. So um, if anyone wants to get involved with that, you can just go to the website and email us and we can try to fit you in the right um, – well, for that uh, – State, in your state team, but also that's within the National Workplace Bullying Coalition. So there's all these other groups like research and fundraising and working with unions and working, you know, trying to find national partners that people can get involved with also.
0: And is there a charge for you to talk to them in, in those um, programs?
1: Well, that's to get in. Oh, to, for my there is a charge for my programs. Um, the other efforts are just volunteering through the National Workplace Bullying Coalition for the bill. Um, but yeah, there's a, a like uh, boot camps to start off with in my programs, and then sort of uh, more in depth courses beyond that. So people can look at that at, at dignitytogether.org.
0: Okay, so so they can get all the information. Yep. That that sounds terrific because I know that once you've been put down enough, you can't get yourself together again. To you, you just lose so much more confidence than than you should, and it's yeah. all because of this. one. they take an uh, an awful lot of, away from you, and yeah, I mean, um, it takes a long time. The the effects
1: we've seen are you know I've I've there's been everything from anxiety and depression to suicides you know and everything in the middle from homelessness to divorce um just it really takes a toll on people's lives because it's all consuming it affects people's livelihoods their health their um you know feeling part of society so um it yeah it 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 can destroy people's lives and it and it does so um we really want to get people together in helping them feel less alone in what they're going through um and helping them feel feel seen and like in the you know as a as a, at least the first
0: step in the healing process and that and that doesn't happen overnight Right. that takes a while yeah. to heal yeah well, I, I think this is absolutely fabulous what you're doing. Do you want Do you mm-hmm. want to say anything else? I think that covers it all. I think uh, yeah. I think I think we've
1: kind of covered everything.
0: That's. I am so glad that you came on to the show. It's it's really important, and I'd like to invite you to come back if that's possible, and if absolutely. you have time. Yeah. And um, so I will. Sign off. And um, this is uh, Sheila Wilson, President of Stop Healthcare Violence, uh, as a host on Passionate World Talk Radio. And again, I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, who was the CEO of Passionate World Talk Radio Network, and Jeannie White. Um, she's the station manager that does our blogs, and she will be posting this. And I want to thank Deb fall, sorry. Am I saying yep. that correct? Yep. And yeah. uh, this is absolutely amazing that you are the founder of Dignity Together and the director of marketing and fundraising for the National Workplace Bullion Coalition. And uh, just again, tell me how long you've been doing this for? A little over a decade now.
1: Or that is awesome. At least got involved in the issue back then.
0: That that is fabulous. We need this. So I will say goodbye. And again, thank you, Deborah. Thank you. And we'll talk again. Okay. Thanks so much, Sheila. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https://podcastwildtalkradio.com. Forward, forward, you can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon Alexa, AMFM247.com every Tuesday evening between 8 and 9 p.m. YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.